There was nothing, zero, to tell me that I was going to have a multi-million dollar venture fund. So I just don't want to hear anybody say I can't do it. You're talking to somebody who slept on the floor of an airport who found a way. I don't think I would have made it several days, several weeks of that if I wasn't thinking about this bigger picture. So I think that's where you have to start. And if you find yourself really stuck, it might be because you're thinking too small. Before we get into the episode, uh, we just finished filming with Arlen Hamilton. Wow. Such a powerful conversation. And here's kind of just a bit of context that I wanted to give you guys, which is obviously at this point, Arlen is hugely accomplished, raised over $30 million for our fund, backstage capital. I think really the special thing, and you'll see it when you watch the episode, is where she started. Literally being homeless at one point. This is not a story of someone that had all of the advantages, but she just figured it out. And the perseverance and the confidence and the ability to be different, but then be confident with being different. And let me, let me know even what you guys think. I think after we get into that, there's also a part of the episode where we go through her eight week method on how someone can make a million dollars. We really get into the nitty gritty, into the detail, into the practical how to of how you can do it. So yeah, this is, this is a really special one. It's also a really special one, even in the evolution of the podcast to have her on. Before we get in, do me just one huge favor really quickly. It's literally going to take two seconds of your time. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, if you want to see us get better guests, bigger guests, better conversations, more authentic stories, please give a subscribe to the channel. It really helps us grow. Without further ado, let's get into it. I wanted to start where you started in the book. Okay. So first page of the book, you say it was May of 2021. And you're at Julian's auction in Beverly Hills, um, basically an auction of all of Janet Jackson's like iconic items and, and things that she's owned, um, rubbing shoulders with Kim Kardashian, Christina Aguilera was also bidding on stuff I was there. not rubbing shoulders with them. They were on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to give you the big high yeah, five right would, now. Yeah, I would love you to, but I want to be honest. <laughs> um, and you end up purchasing this truck that uh, that Janet Jackson owned and you purchase it for $114,000. And this is exactly what you write in the book. I thought it was so fascinating. At that moment, I was overcome with emotion. Yes, it was about winning the truck of my hero, Janet, but it was also about the sheer fact of having arrived at this place at age 40, six years after being homeless and sleeping on the floor of the San Francisco airport. And it's that second part, which is where I want to start, right? Homeless and sleeping on the floor of that San Francisco airport. Give me the context of that time. What was happening? That was um, 2015. And I had experienced different types of homelessness my whole adult life. Had a pretty chaotic upbringing. Great family, but we moved a lot and we didn't have money. and. Um, I had some really special times and great times, so I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. But through a series of events, I found myself with no place to live, very little money. And if I had money, it was by the day. It was like I had that money for that day to get that food, you know, on the dollar menu. Um, and I thought, if, if I'm going to be homeless, I think... If I were to live outside on the concrete, I think that would be so rock bottom for me that I don't know if I would be able to bounce back. 
And that's the kind of scenario I put in my head. So I said, where's some place I can have shelter? And it's relatively safe because there will be authority there at the airport. And on top of that, top of the safety and the shelter, it was not comfortable, but I could also fool myself. I could tell myself, I'm just missing my connecting flight. You're just missing your connecting flight day after day after day. And that's why you're sleeping on the floor. Just listening to that, when my mind goes, I think we have like different mindsets at different periods of our life. And I think about people that are listening and even what you said, it sounded almost like a survival mindset. It's this incredibly short-term mindset where it's like day to day. I can't even think a week out because I don't know where I'm going to be a week out. It's a privilege actually to be able to do like this long-term planning, right? And so I feel like there's people that are listening, that they're like in that place. They're just trying to survive day to day. And it sounds like you kind of figured out a mindset or where you had to go mentally so that you could keep going and so that you could keep kind of pushing towards this larger mission that you had. What were some of those things on a mindset level that were keeping you going at that time? I had about a year prior to that, maybe a few months prior to that, I had been working on building Backstage Capital, which ended up being the venture fund that I started. And I was broke. I was sleeping out of a hotel room with my mom, and she's in her 60s at the time. There was nothing, zero, to tell me that I was going to have a multi-million dollar venture fund, except for my plans and my goals. And I felt a little crazy because I knew I was different. I knew things were different about me, but I, it always felt right. But when it got really, really bad the year prior to this story, I walked around the, the parking lot of the hotel we were staying in. And I was like listening to music and I was reaching out to a few friends to ask them their opinion. And I really wasn't hearing anything that resonated. And so I, cl I closed my eyes and I said, um, can you imagine the world? This was 2014. I said, can you imagine the world in 2020 where backstage capital does not exist? where a fund that invests in underestimated people or underrepresented people does not exist. And I imagined the world in 2020, five, six years later, and it just never happened. I never made it work. And my eyes shot open and I said, no. In that parking lot, I said out loud, no. It, it, it made me shudder. You know, it was like, I can't stand the thought of that. And from that moment on, it was what you said. It was, the micro, the day to day, one foot in front of the other. And then it was the macro. It was the, what is the world going to look like projected out five, 10 years from now when you do this? Everything in between, no idea. Mm. And would have probably broken me to think about what I would have to go through. You know, I think, and I was definitely in this place when I even left my job to do the podcast full time. There's a certain level of like, naivety yes like you just don't you have no idea what it's going to take to reach the point that you want to the naivety is actually deeply required though because yeah. to your point i think if you did know everything that it would entail you might never begin like it might never start it's true it's true and i can i will say this i've never given birth before 
But that's what I hear a lot of mothers say is that if I knew how difficult the labor was going to be, I wouldn't have gotten pregnant uh, or I would have tried not to. Um, but so it's true. Like if you know, you're probably not going to step out into it. But then those same mothers say it was the best thing I ever did. And that's how I feel about this. Yeah. You know what? One thing that shined through when I was reading this book and then also it's about damn time. There's like a certain level of confidence, right? And, and it seem, it feels like it shined through throughout. I remember reading um, a section of the book where you were always talking about being a bit different. Yeah. Like even in school, like feeling like a bit of like the weird one or like the yeah. misfit or like the odd one out. Feeling different, but there seemed like there was like a, a comfort and a confidence with that. You even mentioned, obviously, the things that you did with Backstage Capital and looking out even into 2040 and thinking of the impact that a company like that could have. I'm curious, where did the confidence emanate from? You didn't come from money. You didn't come from wealth. You didn't come, your two parents were like big venture capitalists. <laughs> what makes no. you believe, like, I can do this. Like, I'm going to change something in the world. We are in upgrade season. This is about upgrading your paycheck, upgrading your enjoyment of your work. And that brings us to the sponsor of today's show, Free Agency. Free Agency manages and represents talent in the tech industry. They provide you with a dedicated talent agent that will help you find and win top of market roles. So if you are looking to build out your dream career today, Free Agency is the company for you. Go to the link in description. Check it out. Oh, it's, it's simple for me. I believe I can do anything because I believe all of us can do anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't, I know some people um, in my family and friends and, and others who are, let's call them black women in this case, who, if somebody's walking towards them, if it's like a, a, a white person or someone who is, has some authority, they'll get out of the way or they kind of feel like they're taking up too much space in a room or they'll, I'm sorry, I'm here. I'm sorry. I got in your way. I've never felt that because I believe that I'm supposed to be here. And I believe that you're supposed to be here and you're supposed to take up space and you're supposed to be loud and proud. And I believe that everyone that I'm describing is supposed to, because I think we're all equal. So if you think, if you think you're, you're equal to everyone, it's really easy to be confident because mm. you want that for other people. You want them to feel that way too. Mm. I'm curious, was there, I even reflect on this in my own journey. There's different levels to the confidence, right? So like there was a certain level of confidence of me just starting a podcast. It was another level of confidence of me like quitting my job. There's another level of confidence of getting like a million views. Like, like there's, there's different levels of confidence as experiences kind of rack up. I'm curious for you, even when you just reflect on what you just said of like a quality of believing like I can take up space, like I'm meant to be here, which is a powerful thing. I'm curious, is there, a, is there an experience? Is there a moment where you're like, where that was really settled and that was really established? Was it working with a Mark Cuban? Was it <laughs> launching the fund backstage capital was it the book like was there a moment that you think like i'm here five years old five years old walking into a, a, a department store with my mom she was very shy and she needed a belt and she couldn't find it 
So I went up to the first person I could tell could work there, and I said, my mom needs a bill. I've always felt this way confidence-wise, even when I had nothing, so to speak, you know, because I had something. I had love and laughter and family, but when I had no money, um, I think, again, it's, it's, it started really early. I've always, like you said, I've always felt like the odd person out. I never felt like I fit in. I could talk to everyone. I could talk to different groups of people and feel like I'm supposed to be here. But I never felt like people understood me back. I felt like I understood people and they didn't understand me back, like I was sort of alien. And I remember um, in school, like junior high, high school, people would call me weird to my face or mm. talk about me. Like I had a lot of bullies. And I told my mom once, I was like crying, I was really upset about it, probably at 12, 13 that they're making fun of me because, you know, I didn't have, like, my clothes were kind of messed up because we didn't have any money and my hair wasn't, like, done well because I just didn't have the right understanding of what was supposed to be. And she said to me, the next time somebody says you're weird, thank them because they're seeing you. So I, I didn't quite understand what that meant at the time. I totally get what that means mm. because I, I used to get kicked out of class for disrupting, for, for asking questions, have, daring to be curious. And now I get paid to do that. So all the things that made me weird and outcast in the past, I now have an ROI on. Mm. So I, I embrace it. But there, there was never, even as an adult, there was never a moment where I thought, oh, I've made it. I don't think I've made it. Mm. I'm on a journey. Mm. So uh, there's a confidence in the everyday, but there's a, there's a curiosity that takes me much further, I think. Mm. You know what's interesting? You said um, you felt like you understood people, but they didn't understand you back. Mm -hmm. Kind of reflecting on that, like, what do you think they were missing? Like, what didn't, what about you didn't feel like it was being understood? Probably what I didn't understand about myself, which is that I'm ne I was not meant to work a nine to five work at a corporation even, um, as much as I tried. I wasn't meant to live a status quo life. I wasn't meant to go to school, meet a partner, have kids, uh, have a, a certain lifestyle. I think, too, being a, a queer, and in my day we call it gay, you know, mm -hmm. being a gay teenager, that was always in the background, not really understanding myself there. but. Um, and so that probably kind of played into it a little bit, but I, I just think that I used to, I used to dream, I daydream about just going as far away from a classroom as possible. Mm. And it wasn't that I didn't appreciate education because I love learning. I'm a big nerd. I will learn as much as I can every week. There's not a week that goes by or a day that goes by where I don't learn something on purpose, mm. but the institution of the classroom and everybody's on the same page and everybody's taught the same thing and everybody's measured the same way, no matter what your style is or what you want to be or any of that. It just never felt right to me. So I was always bucking up against the system in a way. I was always challenging and I was doing it for myself and for other people. If somebody else I felt was being picked on or someone else was not getting in their say, I would stand up and, you know, 
be dragged out of the room because I was like, that, that's not fair. Mm. <laughs> you know, so I think that people were trying to figure me out because I was trying to figure, figure me out. Mm. You know what I'm, I'm kind of, I'm curious about is like the start, the start. And here's where I say the start, which is your, I don't even, so I guess 40 years old, six years ago. So you'd have been 34 when you're at Well, this. I'm 43. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I so guess when you were in the, the, in the 40, airport in the, San Francisco. Well, the 40 was the, the auction. Okay. And then I guess the, being in the airport in San Francisco, you would have been what? 30, 34. Four. Yeah. Okay. So the 34-year-old Arlen that's sleeping in the airport, because there's someone, maybe they're not physically in an airport, but they feel like they're in that moment where it's like, it's just not working. But they have a vision. They have this ambition. They see something in the future that they want to enact. They want to make it real life. And the reason I say the start is I think the start is so important, which is like, it's exactly what you said. You're not going to know every step, but step one is very important. Step one is where it all begins. And so I'm curious if you had to go back and give advice to the 34 year old Arlen that's sleeping in that airport that has this vision of building something, of being a millionaire, of having an impact in the world. What's the first thing you would tell? Where should she start? I think I was doing this and that's why I made it here. But it's like the, the being a millionaire part for me couldn't be enough. The goal of being a millionaire. So there had to be this vision that was way bigger than myself. So that's what I would say to that person, 34-year-old me, and I would say to anybody else who is just like, I don't know how to get out of bed. I don't know the first thing about changing my current circumstances. Is if you feel that way, it's most likely because you've made it about yourself or you've made it about your very specific current circumstances. To me, in that moment, they were not, I want to almost say they weren't real. I was like delusional on purpose. And it was because the end game or the goal, the North Star, was about how many people can I positively affect? What would happen if a backstage capital existed where in venture capital, less than 10% of all venture funding goes to women, people of color, and LGBTQ founders, where white men make up only a third of the country. They get 90% of the funding. Mm. If I can make backstage capital happen, how many people would be positively affected? It didn't always start there. It wasn't always that. It was actually, to be, to be honest with you, I did start with, I want to make a, I want to raise $1 million for my company. Mm. And in doing the research for that is when I learned that statistic that changed my life. Catherine Finney, her team put that out years ago. And I learned that statistic and I said, wait a minute, everything I've been thinking is wrong. I don't need to worry about me getting a million dollars where that might take me. I could probably make it work. I'll figure out a way to make that million dollars, but I need to make that million dollars for us. Mm. And so because I had that while I'm sleeping on the floor, and anytime I talk about it, by the way, I can feel it and see it. I feel the floor. I have my uh, jeans rolled up as a pillow, no covers. 
I have my suitcase right in front of my face so I don't have to see people walking by. And there's, you know, lights are blaring. There's never any rest. And I don't think I would have made it several days, several weeks of that if I wasn't thinking about this bigger picture. So I think that's where you have to start. And if you find yourself really stuck, it might be because you're thinking too small. Mm. You know what's interesting? That reminds me of, um, I'm listening to a podcast. I think it was Emmanuel Ocher. He said this. Um, he says this quote. He says, your calling will call you. Hey, yeah. You just need to pick up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's such an interesting thing. And it's like, a lot of the times, the thing that you're meant to do, I think so many people have this question of like, they want to build a business or they want to do something that's a bit non-traditional. It's not just work a nine to five. They have no idea what to work on. Usually the answer of what to work on is like something that you're already doing. Maybe you just didn't envision it as a business. And it sounds even uh, listening to you, it was like, you were pulled to do this thing. Okay, quick break. I am in the exact same position as you. I'm trying to make my first million this year. And here's one of the things I'm doing in order to make it happen. April 9th to April 12th, I'm gonna be at your first million live in LA. Arlen Hamilton is putting on this event over 2,000 entrepreneurs, creators, hiring managers, speaking about how you can start to build wealth in your career right now. When I tell you the speaker list for this event is crazy. Sheila Johnson, the first woman black billionaire. Rich Paul, who's LeBron James's agent and runs Clutch Sports. Gary Vaynerchuk, Issa Rae. The names go on and on and on and on. So I'm gonna be there April 9th to April 12th. And here's the thing. When you use the link in the description below, you can get 25% off your ticket to your first million live. I'm gonna see you there. Yes, I had always had dreams. So I dreamed of being a millionaire. I dreamed of going on tour and working on these tours, which I ended up doing quite a bit of, of musicians. I dreamed of it. That was me chasing it, running after it. This called to me, I've said that publicly, this called to me, this was a calling. And I don't speak like that normally. I think it's very, you know, a little yeah. high and mighty, but it yeah. was. I was not sitting around saying, let me go find this. It came to me. Mm. And so if you are someone where I've, I've just said that, we've just said this to you and you're like, okay, I have to wait for my calling for it to be real. Mm. What do I do in the meantime? Build skills. Mm. That's what you do in the meantime. Build skills, stack your skills so that you're ready, like you said, when the phone rings, mm. the proverbial phone. Yeah. Because if you don't do that, then you're wasting time. Thankfully, I was doing that without even realizing that, knowing that that was what I was supposed to do. So I was as broke as I was, I couldn't afford most books. I couldn't afford the Fast Company cover that I would be on three years later. Mm. Right? I loved Fast Company. I would go to the airport. I would read it. You know, I would be at the airport and read it. But I could not afford it. It was $8, $7.99. Mm. I couldn't afford it. Then I was on the cover of it in 2018. Um, but each day I woke up from 2013 to 20, like mid-2013 to mid-2015. And I, this is a really tough time for me. And I said, the one thing you can control, you can't control if you're going to eat today, uh, if you're going to make any money, if you're going to raise any money, if you're going to get a yes, but you can control how much you learn. Today. And so I made it a, a um, it was a, a habit. I had to learn something every single day. 
So when, when I did get that first check in September of 2015, I was ready. Mm. I didn't have to go out and celebrate. I didn't do any of that. I was ready. I was like, okay, now I have some companies to invest in because I already mm. know who I want to invest in. You know, I think it's one of the best feelings in the world is actually being truly prepared for something, like being ready for your moment, like a, something that you imagined for months, years, it finally comes yeah. and you feel deeply prepared. Yes. Is, is one of the, it's one of the best feelings. Have you world. felt that before? Yeah. You had, what, what was something yeah. that felt that way? Uh, I think today is like an example. Yeah. I think it's an example of it, which is like, and it's not even the fact that like we've recorded, I don't know at this point, over 70 episodes. Yeah. Not even that. I even, I reflect on like even growing up in London. Um, my parents and my dad in particular was always like super serious about academics. And so like even going into exams, I think about like, obviously there's the learning of like knowing what they're going to say or like what you're going to write, but not even that. It's like the mental preparation, the way that I would like listen to music or I would meditate, like it would get me in a certain zone, a certain presence, a certain calmness. Um, a lot of that framework is what I use before I step into every episode. Um, yeah, it's, not, it's nice to just feel that that calmness, the composure, poise. You know what, I wanna go, I wanna go deeper because um, we spoke a few weeks ago. I guess it is a few weeks ago now, right? Maybe, a, yeah, maybe like a month ago. And we're on that phone call and you say something to me which was like, it was so exciting because I just knew the audience, the audience would vibe with it, which is you said, anyone can be a millionaire. Like you can learn to make a million dollars. And I'm listening to um, one of your podcasts on your first million, your podcast. Um, and you kind of lay out this structure, this framework, this eight week method that someone can go on and it can put them on the path to making that first million dollars. And I wanted to get deeper into it because I thought it was so good. And so the first step that you kind of outlined was what you called like research and development. Like in week one, it's research and development. Can you kind of just speak more to it? Like week one, research and development. And I can even give, I can even give the eight areas that you kind of outlined um, where someone could focus and make a million. So number one is an online course. Number two is an online membership. Number three is affiliate marketing. Number four is consulting either one-on-one -on -one or group. Uh, number five is a done-for-you agency model. Number six is in-person or virtual training or service. Number seven is SaaS. Uh, number eight is e-commerce. Yep. So let's map it out for people. I want it to be so tangible and real. Yeah. Well, such, well first of all, I'll say that the, uh, I remember doing the notes for that. So what I do when I do my podcasts that are just straight to audio is I sometimes, most times I'll just push record on my phone and go, but this time I just did a draft email and I thought through many of my income streams and that's how I arrived at that, you know, because I have that framework in different ways. So it, I also want to just say that it's not like most people don't even believe they can listen to this conversation and do anything about it. I need you to believe that you can't, you can't. I just talked about living on the floor of the air, like sleeping on the floor of the airport for too long. <laughs> And now I've invested in more than 200 companies 
and raised tens of millions of dollars, generated millions of dollars in the last decade. Um, and so I, I kind of break it into those eight, but I, I also break it into three kind of easier ways to think of it. Um, these are just examples, by the way. The three ways are um, you, can, you can show someone how to do something or inspire them to do it. You can help them do it or you can do it for them. So let me do it a different way. You can teach them, show them, teach them, and do it for them. So that if you look at any of those, um, the, I go on later to say, choose one of those. Don't do them all. Please don't do them all. Choose one so you can focus. You focus on it for a year. This is where we lose 90% of people. We're, we're going to. So if you're listening to this or watching this and you're one of the 10% who actually puts a year into this, whatever you decide to, to work on, your chances of being one of the thousand millionaires that I want to help create over the next decade skyrocket. Because most people will simply not do the work. They will simply find it too daunting, too difficult, or too much of a hassle. They'll get really excited about it first week, second week, eight week, and then third, third month. Are you still working on that? No. Or I'm doing this other thing. Or I'm doing this other thing. So I, I listed very specific things because I think those are tangible. Like I said, like, you can start an online course. And then I talk about how you can promote that and different things. I, I um, have a friend named Amy Porterfield. Are you familiar with her? She's, she's a, she did 15 million in 2022 uh, top line teaching a course about teaching courses. I also met a woman who does courses um, and she has done $60 million in courses. Mm. $60 million since 2019. We got to get her on your show. Mm. We, we got to get her on your show because yeah. she is incredible. She teaches people how to, you know, she teaches people something that she learned herself. She was broke. She learned how to do this thing, and then she taught people how to do it. So right now, there's somebody, there are many of you who, uh, and I'm sorry to break the fourth wall, I don't know if you like that or not, but I, it's just how I feel about it, because I always want to share. There are so many of you who, I talk about this in the book, you have an expertise that you don't even realize you have because of your lived experience, because you've done more of it than a lot of other people. Something that's so mundane to you, something that comes easy to you, something that doesn't come easy to you, but you've trained on it, you can teach someone else how to do. Another example is there's a, um, a woman, I don't know her name, but I bought her product off of Instagram. She wanted as a hobby to learn how to crochet because she was going through a tough time and she wanted something to focus on that was kind of light. And she couldn't figure out how to do it. So she looked at a lot of YouTube videos and she just barely figured it out, figured it out. Then she figured something out and she's like, you know what? 70% of this that makes it so difficult for people to learn is in that first little like circle that you make uh, crocheting. I don't, you know, I learned about it myself. This first little circle that you make, that's the hardest thing to do is to get started. So I'm just going to sell things that that's already made for you. And then you can do the rest of it. She sold like millions of dollars and went on Shark Tank and got even more. 
she it's just a, such a brilliant simple thing that you're right now sitting on right now somebody has that in their head and there are multiple ways to express that and get that out to people and package it multiple companies like 10 years ago you wouldn't have been able to do what i just described because there wasn't teachable and all the other ones i, I like teachable personally but there wasn't all these other ones there wasn't the audience and then there wasn't the content marketing that you can do in the next phase so you choose anyone on the list that speaks to you and then um i here's what i think and i'm going to say this i haven't said this before i think i could take three people randomly with a little bit of an application so i can know a little bit about their commitment and i think i could take them from zero to a millionaire in two years that's special that's special okay you know what? And I, and I love actually that you, you mentioned this now, but then also you mentioned it in the podcast episode, which is obviously I just outlined like eight ways that you suggested that someone could go about doing this if they wanted to make their first million. One of the things that you say is like, you're not meant to do all eight. And, and I think, and, and I love the point that you made at the time, which was like, um, so often when you hear podcasts or you hear conversations, interviews, with people that make a lot of money, they talk about like their streams of income. They have these different streams and like revenue uh, sources. However, there's like a process to get to that stream that, right, those different options and those different sources. And I think so often it's like, it's almost as if, and I kind of did this, it's almost like you're starting on like step 10 instead of step one. And you're trying to do a bit of a course mixed with affiliate marketing, mixed with a membership, mixed with an agency. And it's like the lack of focus is slowing down to completely eliminating your results. Um, and you know what? You made the point of like 90% of where we lose people in terms of this, this goal of like making that first million is in that focus, is in just being able to say, I'm gonna do this one thing. And I think part of the reason why people jump around so much is actually what you outline about week one, which is like this research and development phase. They can't make the choice. And I'm sure you've heard this, this question or this objection, because I've heard it so much when I speak with people that are like interested in starting a business, which is like, what do I do? And there's all these options that I hear and I'm hearing about AI and I'm hearing about NFTs and crypto and like there's all there's the new hot thing every few months um and I don't know where to start I'm curious if you were going to advise someone on like there's a process to kind of figuring out like what's the thing that you should focus on what is kind of what is the process like what would you advise them like this is what you should be thinking in that research development phase yeah and I think the eight weeks is sort of like this uh, accelerated path to going the full distance. Um, I think when you, we were talking earlier about your calling versus something that you could do, there's different versions of what you should do in this moment. Like if you got to eat, um, there's nothing wrong with being an Uber driver or a Lyft driver. There's nothing wrong with door dashing, make ends meet or working the nine to five or doing the corporate gig like you're doing. And over time, building up to something else. Right. I, I don't want anybody to think that I think that you shouldn't, that you have to go all in all at once. That's another mm. thing that's important. Um, you want to have some combination of starting with 
what fit like um fulfills you what is worth doing excites you makes you excited to wake up in the morning like every night when i go to sleep i'm so excited to wake up the next morning like i can't wait to wake up the next morning and think through more strategy i go to sleep thinking through strategy strategy i wake i dream of it i wake up with an idea i write the idea down and then i go back into the cycle that wasn't always the case because i hadn't found the thing mm. so it has to be something that you are just, to be honest with you, you got to be obsessed with it. If you truly want to make a million dollars doing it sustainably, and that's just your first million, you have to be obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. So something that you find to be obsessed with, and that's where it goes back to you probably already know it and you don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Also has to be something that is, in my opinion, ethical something that helps someone else, because again, that'll keep you going. That'll be, that'll be the, the, the buoy, I think the word is buoy, mm. that keeps you afloat when mm. things are tough. Has to be something that makes money. And it has to be something that, I'm gonna say this, it might come out the wrong way. It can't be something that you only sell to broke people. Mm. It has to be something, like, every, like a lot of people I talk to, they have this idea like something fulfills them, but they're like, and I want, you know, I'm going to be the cheapest version of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it really accessible for so many people because I want our people to come up. You make it really accessible to so many people and it's so cheap. It's not going to be sustainable in a good business model and you won't be able to keep doing it. And therefore, you won't help any of the people you want to help. Mm. So it has to be something that is actually valuable, something that's valuable to someone else, so valuable that they'll spend actual money, on, like real dollars. On. Mm. That's another thing. So we've talked about so many different things. There's some things I want to go to. I don't want to forget them. But you want to kind of lock yourself in a room, go on a staycation, do what you got to do. Um, pen to paper. What's fulfilling to me? What's something that is helpful to others, valuable to others, ethical? What's something that has a higher price point ultimately? Or a version of it has a higher price point that I can get to. Because mm. you think about the Tesla model. They didn't start with something that cost like $5,000, $10,000, $15,000. They started with something that was so unattainable to make it possible for the more attainable. Now, I won't get too much into Tesla because I'm not a big fan of the boy. But that model is interesting. The Apple model is interesting. Mm. Um, anyway, so that's part of the research and development. It's also in... Truly, research and development is also truly studying. I'm going to ask you a question. I think it's going to prove this point. How many other people's YouTube channel YouTube channels do you study? If you had to guess, oh. you know what? It's hard for me to give an exact number because there's a few kind of core channels that I really study, and like I'm aware of like everything they're posting. Yeah, but then I use YouTube so much. Yeah. I'm actually studying like even the smallest channels. Yes. You're proving my point. Yeah. Do you know, you probably don't even realize this because you, it's just automatic to you. You're studying. Of course, I'm going to study the thing almost obsessively probably Mm. that I'm trying to excel in. Most people don't. Mm. Most people don't, couldn't tell you their competition if their life depended on it. And I know this. Why? Because I get pitched every single day of my life by multiple people. 
And I ask that question often. Who's your biggest competition? We don't have any. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Because you're wrong. Yeah. Because, so you, the obsession has, is a lot of that is used for the research. And you, it doesn't stop at any point. It just gets you started and you, you never stop researching. Mm. So you're, you're learning about it. You're always leveling up, but you're, you're, you're figuring that part out to get you going. And you are going to start off, if you're talking about people who are just starting, you are going to start off with lower stakes, lower risk mm. things, and just g give it a try. Because if, if you can take on all of the risk for yourself, whereas if it doesn't work out, only thing that was hurt was maybe your, your ego, Mm. then you can, you're, you're, you're rich. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Because what people try to do to compensate for not taking too much risk is that they try to go out and raise a bunch of money before they have anything, before they have product market fit, any idea that it's really a, a, a company. They try to, they, they depend on so many other people. But if you, take on the, if you take on the risk of the worst thing that can happen is that it'll feel bad. It's a little bit of time wasted, quote unquote, and it'll feel bad. Mm. Um, you you have so much leverage in in doing that. Yeah, you know what? There's and and this is actually what I was just writing down. There was kind of two key mindsets that you revealed that even from my own journey I've seen, which is the first one is the obsession piece, which um, my dad when I was growing up he always used to say to me is like focus on the foundation. Like the foundation of anything is the most important. So you spend the majority of your time focused on the foundation. Because a lot of the times we focus on like the sizzle, like the nice stuff around the edges, not the core, not the foundation. And so the foundation I think is really, um, I remember Naval said this, which is like, you want to work on things that feel like, uh, they feel like play to you, but work to others. And sometimes those things are the hardest to identify because they come so naturally to you. You make the mistake of thinking it comes that naturally to everyone else. Like if you, if you love the NFL, like truly love it from the time that you were a child, you're like, oh, doesn't everyone love the NFL? If you love YouTube, you spend all your time on YouTube watching vloggers and all this stuff. Like, oh, doesn't everyone love this? No, they don't. Like, that's your thing. Um, and so the obsession piece is so important because then you're just going to, it makes everything easier because things are just going to, you're going to put in the extra work yeah. naturally because it's want what to. you do. Yeah. The second piece that you uh, revealed, and I, and I see this so much, and I wrote it down on my paper, which is like having like this action first mindset, which is, and even... The, the research and development phase, I would almost more call it like the experimentation phase in a way, because people will get bogged down in doing research of like reading and listening to podcasts. And it gives you this illusion of making progress. Whereas like a lot of the people that have sat in that seat that you're sitting in and have achieved these outcomes, they actually had like a deep experimentation phase where they were trying these different things and the framework that I've kind of realized they're working off, because when I'm asking the questions, I start to see patterns um, in the way that they answer, is like they're looking for signal. Like they're looking, they, they very quickly kind of put something out or test something. And then they're like looking for that spike. 
They're looking for the tweet that they tweet out and a ton of people are interested. It's like they're looking for something in the wild. As soon as they find it and it kind of aligns with everything else that you outlined, like it's something um, that is like a passion to them, it's all in on that. And it's like going to the other, the other phases that you outlined. Mm-hmm. And having the, uh, the willingness to risk it, risk it, risk that mm. and be wrong. You know, another, another part I, I want to make sure people understand of research and development is also talking to your potential customer. Mm. And that may mean like you're selling something. So it's your potential customer. Or if you're a YouTuber, it could mean surveying and just talking to people or talking to the potential guests or talking to the people who would, who would consume your content. It's, it's that too. You know, it's all of that uh, uh, put together. Mm. You know what? Okay. So being action first and everything that, and, and everything that we mentioned is so key. I want to yeah. move on to the part two, which is coming up with a main offer. Yeah. So I've kind of seen the thing, like I've, I've made the decision of like, okay, I'm going to focus on this. It's going to be affiliate marketing. That's yeah. the way. Yeah. Um, and you kind of also, you know, even before we get to the coming up with a main offer, you outline like a few ways that you can like support that selection. So like podcasting, YouTube, social content, webinars, workshops, publishing. Yeah. And again, you're choosing one mm. or two mm. of those. You're not doing all of that at once mm. at the beginning. Yeah. So it's like a kind of name your own adventure sort of thing. So you might choose like affiliate marketing. And then the way that I'm going to promote that is through a podcast. Because mm. what, like you said, what most people do is they have four of the top line stuff. They have like course and the affiliate marketing. And also I'm going to sell a t-shirt and I'm also going to do this. And then they have Either they have no or one channel and it's not enough. So it's just a channel and it's like everything is banked on that. Or they're just all over the place, spray and pray. There's just no focus. Mm -hmm. So if you you think of it more like these are ingredients for a very specific thing, I'm going to choose one of these things. And affiliate marketing may seem like too much of a buzzword and feel kind of sleazy because it sounds like that. But it truly... I gave you an example of what you could do is let's say you have, you don't have a product, you don't have a service. You don't think that your own course would actually teach people a lot, but you're a good curator. You have good taste. You help people find things that they need. You could have a website built or you could build it yourself. Uh, no code or have someone do it where you have three categories or two categories of things like, for the entrepreneur or for the, the new bride or for the new parents or whatever it is, again, that you've researched and decided you want to work on. And you find people who already do it really well, who have something really valuable to offer, who also have affiliate programs. Mm. And you put that on your page and you ex- explain why you love it and why it's good for the other person. That way you didn't have to create your own IP in that situation. And you're getting a, p- a portion of each of those sales. Mm. That, like, to me, that seems really reasonable and attainable for a lot of people. Mm. You know, if you think of yourself as an influencer, you get a lot of people who care about what you're wearing, what you're doing. Don't just be a consumer. Maybe you have a thing where, like, you're getting an affiliate, you know, for every time somebody goes to uh, Amazon and picks up the thing that you bought or the, the store that you're, you bought or the, the smaller influencer who has their own uh, affiliate program. Mm. If you know things about technical gadgets, same thing. Like that's a big one, right? Mm. It's just 
It's just one example of many different ways that you can do something. So I just don't want to hear anybody say I can't do it. I don't want it. This is the big thing before we go on. So many people come to me because I invest in other companies. And they say, and I, we talk about what they're doing, and I say, well, what have you done in the last six months? What sort of traction do you have? What sort of things have you accomplished? And they'll say, nothing, because I wasn't able to raise money yet. And I just have to blink hard at them. Because I'm like, you're talking to somebody who slept on the floor of an airport who found a way. So I'm, it's not like I'm over here on a high horse. And I'm like, oh, I've never known what it's like to struggle. Of course you don't. You know, of course you there are ways to get out of your current situation. There are ways you can do it. You just have to, you have to consume what we're saying, plan for it, and then act on it. Because like I say about my videos and my courses, it's not Netflix. You don't put your feet up and watch it and then go to sleep. You do something about it. Mm. And you know what is like the, the word that kind of came into my mind was, was confidence. And I, <laughs> I, um, I felt that so much in my own journey and I've always thought that I was super confident, but even when it comes to the part about like focus, that was such a huge obstacle to me. Mm. Um, and only really recently have I started to get clearer with it. And the reason why I say confidence and focus was linked. I think a lot of the time, the reason why people struggle to focus is because it's like a hedge. So like, you, you laid out eight options. If I do four of the options, uh, maybe one of them yeah, will work. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't want to be like, oh, I'm going all in SaaS yeah. company. Yeah. And then it fails. Yeah. It doesn't work. Um, it's the same thing even with the offer. Like a lot of the times it's like, uh, you don't believe that you can sell something that people would buy. Like that's even mm. a confidence thing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, people are interested in my outfit, mm -hmm. but still you're like, eh, I don't think anyone would buy it if I put the link to where it is and I got an affiliate through yeah. that. Yeah. Like, I don't think a brand would, I'm not an influencer. Mm -hmm. Like it's um, the confidence and like the limiting beliefs are actually so key. And then it's also just caring what other people yeah. think. Well, that's why I spent the first third of my book talking about mindset. Mm. It's exactly right mm. because most of it, or not most of it, but a lot of it, a big part of it is just even believing that you're supposed to have the thing that you could be the person that has that. Sometimes when we're watching things, we're like, that's separate from me. I'm watching a movie. I'm watching a TV show. That's separate from what is my real life. I can't even imagine myself there. So you have to be able to imagine yourself there. And I go through a few reasons that you should imagine yourself there. And mainly it's because we don't have time for imposter syndrome. Not in a world where um, every time black people build something beautiful, it gets burned to the ground, liter literally or figuratively. Anytime, you know, th th what was it, the 70s, women couldn't have their own credit cards. Mm. Unless they were married and their husband signed off on it, they couldn't have their own credit cards. And of course, credit cards just started in the 70s, but that's crazy. Mm. Where so much is going on, we just don't have, we don't have time for it. I'd like to be nicer about it and sweeter and hold everybody's hand and say, hey, feel better about this, but we don't have time. We owe it to ourselves and we owe it to the world, to each other, to say, if Donald Trump, can be the president of the United States, mm. I can sell a t-shirt online with confidence. 
shouldn't have said his name because I think something, some sort of thing appears when you say it. Some sort of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> alien yeah. thing happens. Yeah, you know, on the, on the confidence point, I remember, um, I think it was Alex Homozi said this, which is yeah. like, confidence is built by developing like an undeniable stack of evidence. Yes. That you are who you say you are. Yes. And so sometimes I think like, we will put people on a pedestal and think that the reason why they're so confident is because they're just naturally brilliant. But the reason for their confidence, it's stacking up the daily actions. Yeah, they got the they receipts. Yeah. They got the receipts. It's undeniable. And what's exciting about that is that you can start building receipts today. Mm. You can be the person you look up to. Mm. You can achieve that. It's very exciting. Go back and watch any interview with Kobe, with LeBron. Yeah, they got all kinds of swagger later in life. But they got that swagger by, they'll talk about, like, I was really, like, Kobe said he wasn't, you know, he was naturally talented, but he played like he was terrible. Because there's always something to learn. And if he had, at 18, decided, I'm the best in the world, I truly am the best in the world, no matter what I say, that's it. He wouldn't have had much of a, of a, of a career. It is in that building the receipts, building, building, building. I'm still doing that. I'm doing that today. I'm doing that tomorrow. Um, and what hap what's really cool is that you start to see not just the receipts of like, okay, I did this, I accomplished it. You start to see people come back to you. You start to see come, people come back to you. This is what this interview meant to me. This is what this article meant to me. This is what your investment or your investment of time that day when we were talking i met you at this place we talked for 10 minutes i took what you said and i turned it into this your customers will start becoming your biggest advocates if you're doing if you're doing it right actually i think that that journey is kind of it's like a beautiful journey because i think in the beginning and i'm going to give people the heads up on this which is like what i've experienced which is like a lot of the times in the beginning it's like you're climbing this like steep ascent like, and you're, it feels, you're putting something out there in the world. And a lot of the times, some, nothing's even coming back. Like you're not necessarily, it's not necessarily like you pull out the first episode of your podcast and it's loved and it's going viral on YouTube. It's like episode after episode, not really any views or like a very small increase or decline in views. And then there's like this, and I call that period like the dark place, because I know for me personally, it was where like, it's where things, it's, it's just difficult, but it's really, it's in that process where you become really good at something, is in that dark place where you just persevere and you just keep doing the thing and you keep learning. And then it's like, if that's the steep percent, it's like you get to the hill and then suddenly things start to get a bit easier. And what you're saying about people coming back to you starts to occur and now people are looking at your catalog and everything else that you've already done and it's almost it's not easy but it feels comparatively easy it's, it's actually a beautiful yeah it's a beautiful it's a process. different you have different issues for sure mm. but that is a beautiful thing like i don't know have you had this experience yet where somebody's walked up to you on the street from your podcast uh i've had it when i've gone to like events like yeah people and, uh, it's gonna yeah. be over the next 12 months it'll it'll your whole life will change, I believe. Mm. And can I, speak to, can I speak a little bit to, to what I think about your channel? Yeah, go for it. Um, I said this to you on Zoom. 
I think you reached out to me. I believe you did. Yeah. When you reached, when people, I get asked to go on shows all the time, different things. And I appreciate that. But I say no to most because it's just not, not enough time in the day. But I do research the ones that I'm interested in. And when I went to your site or your channel, I looked at the, I always go back to early, early, early videos. Mm. And I watched, I looked at the stats for your videos. And I saw you were doing some on Zoom and then you started doing some in this very room. And there were some that had 100 views, 400 views, 1,000 views, 350 views. And then you get closer and closer to the recent and you've had like, you know, a breakout 500K plus and then 100K here and there. And this one will get 10,000 the first day. What to me was impressive I did say this to my team on the way over here. What to me was impressive was that if you look at the earlier videos, you have the same passion and the same, I'll say it again, curiosity, and the earlier videos as you do today. It's not like you said, I'm going to wait until I have a million followers before I start being really great at this. You said, I'm going to be great at this, and then I'll have a million followers. Yeah, and I hope that you reach your 100,000 subscriber in 90-day challenge. Mm. I think that would be amazing. I think you can do it. Yeah. And people should subscribe right now so <laughs> they hear that again because what a, great, what a great example for people. And it's, it's, you know, people ask me all the time, what do you look for in a founder? That. Mm. There's just some special thing, and it can be taught. It can be developed. You don't have to worry if you're not there yet. But there's this thing where you, you, you step into the greatness of who you are today so you can meet that person, right? It, it matches. You, I think you've done that. Mm, thank you. No, that's, that's amazing. I really appreciate that. Um, so we spoke about the, the research and development, and then it goes into crafting your main offer. The third part is leads and content. And I think this is something that like, it's, it's difficult for people because I think a lot of us, we don't think about ourselves as like sales people. Okay. Or I know how to generate leads. I know yeah. how to make sales. Yeah. Um, how can someone start to go about driving like leads and people to that? When, when I'm thinking of leads in this case, I'm think, not thinking of sales. Okay. I'm thinking of marketing. Yeah. They're two different things. Do you want to explain that actually, what the distinction is? Sales is, I'm, telling, I'm asking you to pay for something, to buy something from me. Mm. And so that's, it's a great skill to have. Every founder should know how to sell. It's like you're at an event or you're, you're doing your thing and you're, you're going out and you're saying, hey, can you, like, think about people who sell CDs, or used to, old school, sell CDs on the street. Hey, you got to hear my mixtape, $5. That's sales. Mm. Marketing is they're coming to you because of something of a billboard. You're something that's a billboard, but uh, figuratively. So marketing is where all, I think all the fun is. And the better marketer you are, the less sales you have to do, or the fewer sales you have to do, mm -hmm. uh, and the less selling you have to do. So when I think about lead generation, I think about um, how can I draw people into what I'm doing, or how can the person I'm helping draw people in just had a very cool episode earlier um this year come out um where i did a vip day with a with the founder 
of a real estate company. And we walk through um, VIP day, meaning that she get one-on-one with me for several hours. And then we went to courtside at the Mavericks for the first time. And we were in Dallas. That's where I'm from. Um, And she has these beautiful renovations of homes, renovations or custom builds of homes. They're also affordable. And she does an incredible job in Dallas. And she was putting up videos of like a little bit of the construction and like, here's the team and this is how it looks. And then she put up videos like, you know, this is what my company does. But I told her in this, in this, and it was like a light bulb moment from her, for her. I was saying, show me the full renovation. Like the same time you go out there and you film, film beginning, middle, end, turn that into 30 seconds, put some music on it, put a little bit of voiceover on it or a little bit of to camera so that I can dream of my new house. That marketing is worth 10, you know, it's weight and gold in sales. She can go door to door. She can go to an event and pay to have a booth. Mm. Or she can get really crafty with being the billboard, being the lighthouse, and getting people to look this direction. And the fun part of it, Gary Vee talks about this all the time, it's free for the most part, right? It's free to post for the most part. Again, you're paying with something else. You're paying with your own attention and your time. Get your phone out if you have one. Start getting creative and start researching other people, what they do, their advice. So you can go to that episode on your first million to see what all the advice I gave her mm-hmm. and exactly how I set it up. Um, but when you think about leads, like to me, that's the fun part. And then you can do that. On, you can have the podcast or you can have the really dive into content marketing or different things yeah you know what um you know what comes to mind because i do think there's so many people that like they don't think about themselves as marketers or i'm not Mm. an influencer or like why would someone buy from me or i couldn't convince someone to do something and Mm. you mentioned gary v something that he says which i which i love and i remember it was a breakthrough moment for me he says document don't create yep which is like a lot of the times you're like okay i'm gonna create content yeah and it's now like this pressure on you and you have no idea what you would talk about. Yeah. But it's like, what are you already doing? What are you already doing? And it goes back to what we were saying is a lot of things that are easy to you or mundane to you are very interesting to other people because they have either have not done it, didn't know how it was done, or didn't know it existed to begin with. Mm. So if you're documenting, and I, Gary will be at my event, Your First Million Live. We've known each other for several years. He's very cool. But yeah. I've been watching his stuff I'm documenting my life because of his show, his yeah. daily V. I understand that. And he's been saying that for at least eight years, at yeah. least eight years. He said, document, don't create. And it's not, you have to have a team. Like, you know, take a video of yourself talking about something. Even the important thing is to get the downsides too. Don't get just, oh, this is great. I'm, I'm killing it. Get the, I had a meeting set up. I thought it was going to be worth something. I was really excited about it. They just canceled on. I have to call them out, but you can just say kind of blindly, like they just canceled on me. I feel, feel really bad about it, but you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make these other three calls and see if I can set up somebody to replace in that conversation, that being vulnerable, honest, transparent, and interesting. You have just inspired somebody else. Oh, everybody goes through these things. Mm. Everybody has these issues Mm. and those micro moments on a daily basis of building what you're building can end up at the very least helping a few people 
Because mm. I think we look at, especially like on YouTube, like if you look at the people who, the 100 people who are watching your first videos, 500 people who are watching your first videos, the 400 people who watched my video yesterday, those are people, right? Those are people. Mm. And then you get to look and see like, oh, they're watching several minutes of it, several percentage points of it too. Mm. So it's not just, it's not just like this, again, spray and pray. It's like a depth mm. to it that you're also getting. That will, that will pay off. But the problem is most people will not stick to it long enough to feel the rewards, to reap the rewards of that. So they'll say, no, you're wrong. It doesn't work because they, didn't, they did it for two months and they're like, ah, it didn't work out. I didn't get immediate gratification. I didn't get immediate. I'm not a millionaire yet. Mm. So I'm moving on to the next thing. I'm no good at this. Mm. I'm no good at this. Go look at some of those early videos of, of Gary Vee. Go look at early videos of Alex Hormosi. Mm. Look at early videos of any of, look, of mine. It's, it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> like we were pipsqueaks, you know? <laughs> yeah. But you, you find your way and you, you, you make your way. Yeah. And it should be like that. You should look back and it should be like, wow. Cringe. Like the, yeah, yeah. You should cringe. Because who said it? Was it, was it uh, Steve Jobs who said if, if you're not, if you're not embarrassed by your, by your oh, yeah, I think it was, pilot or yeah, whatever, then you're, you're you haven't taken enough risk. Yeah. Or it took you too long. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Like it took you too long to do it. And yeah. I think it goes back to that mindset of like experimentation, yeah. which is, I remember Alex Amosi said this, which is a lot of people, the problem in their business, it's a pure volume problem. Mm. You just didn't send out enough. You did five podcasts instead of 500. You did 10 tweets yeah. instead of a thousand tweets. Can I tell you a quick uh, example of this? Yeah, go for it. I was another part of my adult life when I was broke earlier than the first story. Um, and I had been working on live music productions because I, when I was 13, I saw Janet perform and I knew I wanted to work on tour. So years later, I was working on, I was working on like indie, super indie in a van with Norwegian guys. It's a whole story. Uh, wonderful guys named Golden Boy. And I wanted to work on like arena level, like, like professional level. I sent out over a two month period, I sent out 100 emails and anybody else would have said, let me send a few emails or let me send a hundred emails all the same. I, the reason it took two months is because I sent an email that was customized, deeply customized to each person. And I had to research to find out who to send it to. So it was deep research, 100 tour managers and production managers that I found in various ways. And remember, I didn't have any money, so I couldn't buy any industry things. I had to find it all online, figure it out. I received 20 responses that led to three in-person interviews that then led to my first gig with CeeLo Green. And I was his production coordinator for a year and a half. And um, we, went, we went all over the world. Mm -hmm. And that it took a hundred to get to the one easily could have stopped at eight. And was, of course it didn't work. I didn't have, you know, of course this isn't going to work. I'm no good at this. I, no one's going to hire me, mm. but I said, no, I'm going to do a hundred cause a hundred feels right for some reason. And I only got one fifth of a response. So if I had only, if I had sent out to five, got one response, what would have happened? Mm. Probably nothing. Yeah. No. And you know what, actually I, um, I loved when you made this point on the, on the episode, which was like, you literally broke down uh, how someone can go, how someone can make a million dollars. And you said in order to make a million, and it's pure logic and it's obvious, 
but the way that you broke it down really crystallized it, which is like making a million dollars is one payment of a million or 10 payments of 100,000, 20 payments of 50,000, 40 payments of 25,000, 100 payments of 10,000. And I remember when I was listening, I was like, it's not actually as much as you think. Yeah. Like when, when you're the person in the beginning, a million dollars, if you're homeless or you're broke, oh, yeah. feels like so far away. But yeah. to your point with the emails thing, it's like you could send a hundred emails. One response could change the entire trajectory of yeah. your life. Yeah. And it's like, once you start to just see it in that context, it just reverses your whole mindset on experimentation. Because I think a lot of people, it's like, I have to put myself out there a hundred yeah. times. Mm -hmm. But it only, really, it only takes one. And also, when I think about that, I'm thinking, if I know, if I can be pretty confident that the, at the end of that hundred times, I do have a life-changing something happen, I'm, I'm going to do it every day. Mm. You couldn't stop me from doing you couldn't stop me from producing content or for knocking on doors or sending emails if i knew that for every 100 or 1000 something was going to happen in my favor because all that is sweat equity mm. that's just me stopping me mm. also important to note that when you think about i say this 1 million to in 24 months cuz i do think that's attainable it's not 100 it's not equally uh, distributed mm. that's important too because sometimes when we see things incrementally it doesn't look like success it doesn't look like it. When you pull back and you see it over time, it makes all the sense in the world. Mm. But if you, if you stop just short of it, you're missing out on the compounded interest of what you're doing. There's a wonderful article um, that Sam Altman wrote several years ago that he's actually living out right now where he talks about compounded success. And he talks about how Sam Altman being the C CEO, co-founder of OpenAI. And I'm an investor in OpenAI, by the way. So, you know, I've known him for nine years. He talks about how everything that he does, every career that he has, he wants the next career to dwarf the success of that. And you're, he's writing this as he is the um, CEO or president of Y Combinator. Mm. And before that, he was the founder of Loot. And you say, well, how can you, how can whatever you do next dwarf Y Combinator, like running that? Oh, open AI. Well, how can something dwarf open AI? Oh, nuclear fusion is what he's working on next. So if he had stopped at, I'm just the startup guy who started this fintech company, that's all he stopped at. So he, that, that's also really inspiring to know like that when you go and get your LLC or your C Corp and you can research which one to get, or you go and do the, the first thing, you know, the first step, whether it works or not, you are adding skill, you are adding experience to your repertoire. Mm -hmm. And at some point, that's going to look cute to you. When you make your, like, I remember getting my first five, like five or $10,000. Oh, it was for speaking. My first $10,000 for speaking. And I used to have really, really bad stage fright. I got my first $10,000 for speaking, which in itself was a whole story. I remember thinking, are you, are you kidding me? Like, I didn't make $10,000 in a year, two years prior to that. $10,000? I get paid $50,000 now, and I'm, I'm headed towards $100,000. I get $50,000 domestic and $100,000 international. Mm. 
do more domestic than international. Um, I was someone, they paid me, they bought two $25,000 first class uh, LA to Dubai tickets for me and my mom to go for me to speak and then paid me on top of that recently or a couple years ago. And I remember when I saw 10,000, I was like, oh my God, I've made it. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone watching this or listening to this has the potential to be in that position. Mm. And there are some people who are already there. They're at the 10,000 or at the 20,000, wherever it may be, their client or their customer. There's so much more ahead of you because mm. you've made it so far. You know what? Um, you know what's interesting to me, and even going through like the education system, and and then going to university, graduating university, going into the working world, I started to realize like the mindset of being an entrepreneur runs completely counter to everything that I kind of learned um, in school, which is like growing up, everything was incremental. Um, and even in the working world, everything is incremental. You you have a salary for your first year working a job. And then maybe as you get a promotion, it's slightly higher. And it's just like a little bit higher. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this journey is not like that at all. It's in a way, it's almost like feast or famine. It's like nothing is happening. And yeah. then hockey stick. Yeah. And, then, and so I think sometimes when people aren't getting that progress, because we're so used to having these incremental bits of reassurance of like, mm. you're doing a great job. Here's an mm. extra 10,000 on your yearly salary. Yeah. Or $10 hour. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's not like that. And if you can, and that's why I loved where you ended the, the eight week process, which you said, week eight is about consistency and longevity, yep. which is like, just don't interrupt the, the process of compounding. That's like the number one rule of compounding. Yeah. It's like, don't stop. Yeah. As soon as you stop. Yes. It, yeah, it's 100%. So... And the reason I also say the reason if you go back and listen to that episode, anybody's interested in that uh, 1 million in 24 hours, 24 months. Did, 24 hours. Yeah, incredible. I did. Um, well, I've done that, too. <laughs> um, the reason I the, re- <laughs> the reason I did eight, eight weeks, honestly, is arbitrary. Mm. The reason I did it was because I know so many people need something sooner. So I I, I compressed it to say, OK this is like the shortest way you can get started. Because I knew if I didn't do that, a lot of people wouldn't have just started. Mm. And I need you to start. I need there to be more of us. I need it. And so you can take a month or two months or three months for each step. You really can. Mm. If you want it, if you're like, okay, I'll do a million in 10 years. I'll do a million in whatever. But I, I shortened it because I want to show, just illustrate just how, Step by step, including with my book, Your First Million, there, there, there are steps to this. Mm. There, are things, there, there are things that p- people aren't taught anywhere. Mm. Yeah. You know what? We, we, we need to get out of here. So yeah. I, have, I have one more question for you. Yes. Which is, and you even mentioned uh, one of the guests that came on your podcast. They made that first 100,000 and the formula and what they figured out in that first 100,000 allowed them to make millions. And I think that there's going to be someone that listens to this. They make their first million. And I'm curious, you know, we started with um, the conversation about the 34-year-old Arlen sitting in, a, in an airport homeless in San Francisco. And it's like, if you could go back to that person and you could just tell them what the impact would be of making that first million 
what that would mean to their life, to their outcomes, their happiness, family, the whole thing. What would you say? <laughs> oh, um, I would say it was a mixed bag. I would say that it, it what you heard about um, money not being everything is absolutely true. What you heard about money not being able to buy happiness is absolutely true. But what you learned is it can rent happiness. And it can, it can get you closer to happiness. Because it takes certain obstructions out of your way so that you can clearly see what happiness looks like. And so it very much so takes longer than you thought it was. I'm talking to my 34-year-old self. Very much so took longer than you thought it would, but it was worth more than you ever could have imagined. And no matter, you can, I'll also say this to her, you cannot differentiate 1 million from 20. It really doesn't matter. And I used to hear that all the time from rich people and I would be like, eyes rolled. Mm. Go F yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find out when I get there. <laughs> Found out when I got here. Yeah. Whether it's, raising that or generating that for my companies or having something in the bank account. I stay so close to the bone, by the way, I, I invest back so much, you know, I'm not out here on yachts and, and parting it up. Yeah. There's a lot of, of households that I feed. Um, but the main, the two main things that I've learned are that it feels so good to be able to of all the things in the world for your your parents to have to worry about or your family your friends have to worry about your spouse to for money not to be that in different times of your life and to be able to provide that mm. um and the second thing is that if you are an entrepreneur if you have that spirit if you have that drive if you can't see yourself working for someone else for too much longer when you make your first million the next thing will be what's my second It'll be a game. Um, you often hear rich people talk about it as a game. It's true. It's um, because 1 million and 20 million are so similar, you have to have this next thing that propels you and gives you drive. And there's the, the, the competition and the game of it is really exciting in the puzzle piece, pieces. It's not so much racing against someone else. It's more of like, what puzzle pieces can I put together to make this thing unlock? Mm. And the same people that you looked back on earlier in this conversation, when we look back on to say, who can I positively affect? Those same people will be the biggest motivating factor for you once you've made it over, if you want to keep going. Mm. The impact, the impact. Now, that's a, that's a beautiful place to end. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. This was amazing. I loved Woo! it. Before I leave you guys, I need to drop one last gem. That is the sponsor of today's show, Free Agency. Free Agency represents and manages talent in the tech industry. They find you a dedicated talent agent that will help you find and win top of market roles. That talent agent is your career quarterback. They understand you and your career goals. They will help you get interviews at top firms and they will make sure you get a top of market salary. So if you wanna take your career to the next level, Free Agency is a company that you need to take a look at. Go to the link in the description. Thank me later, peace.